Dave Vaughn is here from the firm tonight. Your phone call is 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Severancepaycalculator.com. We will get to that, uh, tell you what it is if you've never used this particular tool. And we always start every show, uh, Dave, with the week that was, some stuff that's been going on at the firm, some cases have come by your desk. And uh, let's get to that uh, right now, brother. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, the week that was, uh, we had a good week last week, a uh, couple uh, interesting cases. Uh, the first one uh, is a uh, about a termination clause. And these are very common, uh, these types of cases. Uh, I had a, uh, an employee that I settled this case last week, um, 10 years of service, 56 years old, in an IT role. And uh, his employer provided him with eight weeks termination pay, uh, which is the minimum standards under the Employment Standards Act, and then tried to give him two more weeks to sign a release, so walk away for two more weeks. And uh, the employer uh, basically tried to rely on a termination clause, a clause in the employment agreement, uh, to limit his termination entitlements. And uh, thankfully for this employee, and um, I guess not thankfully for the company, there were a couple of reasons why the employee wasn't limited to just eight weeks. So this extra two weeks wasn't generous, as the right. employer had said. The first is the, the employment agreement was signed four years into the employment relationship. So he started working there, and then about four years later, they just introduced a contract, no promotion, no raise, uh, no other benefits, no signing bonus given. So not binding? Not binding, no consideration given uh, for that. So right on the face of it, unenforceable, the, the contract. Anything that the employer wants to rely on in there to limit him in terms of termination entitlements is not going to be enforceable. Second, the, the way the provision was drafted was not clear that it removed the employee's right to common law severance pay. Okay. Uh, so it was ambiguous and uh, there was, uh, you know, it just didn't do the job it needed to do. So as a result of this, once again, the termination clause is unenforceable. So um, the employee was entitled to severance pay under the common mm-hmm. law because it didn't get rid of that, didn't displace that right he had when he started working there sure. um, 10 years previously. And so we were able to get the employee 12 months severance pay. Uh, and that's uh, right in line with his common law termination entitlements. And that's given his uh, his 10 years of service, age of 56, and uh, his job in the IT world. Uh, it's going to be tough for him to get a new job. So a, a lengthy uh, year-long notice period was justified in this case. Um, a couple lessons here. Yeah. Um, one of them is there can be a huge difference between ESA entitlements, the minimum standards under the Employment Standards Act, and can end... Um, and common law. Yeah, um, of course. This is a smaller company, um, so they actually only had to pay them the eight weeks under the Employment Standards Act. So if that clause is enforceable, um, primarily if they give him some type of consideration of a bonus or a raise at that time, and if the clause was drafted more clearly, they could have actually limited him to eight weeks. And so he could have been giving that up by signing that. So it would have been, it, it's really two big mistakes by the employer that uh, allowed you to get him the 12 months, really, when it came down to it, right? Yeah, it was uh, the way they introduced the contract and uh, the, the actual drafting of it um, you know, itself. Um, the issue with the uh, introduction of the contract, we see this a lot where you know someone with a, a long-term relationship uh, is going along, they've been working there for mm-hmm. many years, then the employer maybe has another case where they you know they deal with litigation or they deal with a severance issue, right. and their lawyer tells them, uh, or they get legal advice that says, yeah, you should probably introduce contracts. And they go ahead and introduce them without providing the necessary consideration. So if you're an employer and you want to introduce a new contract, a new employment agreement, you want to rely on that, you need to provide the employee with some type of benefit in exchange for it. And that you, the best example is a raise or a signing bonus. Yeah, throw them a bone. Exactly. Right? you got to give them something for it. Yeah, otherwise right? it's not going to be enforceable. Right. And it's not. you might as well not even go through the motions. 
416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. What else you got going on, brother? Yeah, another one that we do see uh, quite a bit, and uh, I actually see it um, often around this time of the year uh, in the winter, is temporary layoffs. So employers slow down a bit, and they decide to uh, cut some of their staff, uh, at least temporarily. Uh, In this case, my client was told that he was being placed on a temporary layoff for up to uh, 13 weeks. They wouldn't be paying him, and they wouldn't be paying his benefit premiums during that time. Uh, They told him they needed to do this because of uh, some financial issues they were having, slow down in work, um, the usual stuff you hear in these uh, types of circumstances. My client had never been laid off during his entire employment. Um, the entire tenure, never seen a layoff, layoff, and then all of a sudden um, he's laid off for the first time. We commenced a uh, claim for wrongful dismissal to recover his severance pay, and the employee responded, as, as I thought they would, by saying, well, the layoff was done in accordance with the ESA, and it wasn't a termination. It was just a temporary layoff. Thankfully, again, for the employee, the right. employer was wrong here. Uh, the, specifically, they had no right to place him on a layoff and discontinue his salary even if it was temporary in nature and they intended to call him back. This is because he had never been laid off in the past, and again, there's no employment agreement, there's no enforceable clause in the employment agreement that allows them to do that. So you actually have to contract with an employee if you want to lay him off. You actually have to have it in this contract, an enforceable contract introduced before the employment relationship starts or give him consideration for it, um, that says you get, uh, you know, we're allowed to place you on a layoff in certain circumstances in accordance with the ESA, and they didn't do that. And so in doing so, they um, constructively terminated this employee. He was entitled to severance pay, and uh, that's exactly what we were able to get for him. So what pay. what would have happened if he did decide, okay, fine, 13 weeks, they may or they may not call me back. Say they do call him back, and then what happens if they do it again? Yeah, that's a great question. So if they do call him back, he accepts it. Right. Um, there's going to start to be an implied term in his contract that um, allows them to do that. So they'll say, you can't you know, dispute it and say, well, you're not allowed to do that. There's no term that's, you know, you've never done that before. Well, you have done it before. So once you get past probably a second layoff, mm-hmm. you're definitely in the, uh, you've allowed them, you've, you've accepted them. So you can't turn around and, and treat it as a constructive dismissal after that. And this this sort of thing also applies when it comes to, you know, if they, if they reduce your hours or change your location of work or give you less money, the same kind of thing applies, right? You got to watch how, how they do this. Yeah, you do. And uh, anytime, um, I mean, this, this goes for all constructive dismissals. Mm-hmm. Anytime they start to make changes to the terms of your employment, you need to speak up pretty quickly if you have a problem with it, because otherwise they're going to, A, you're going to be deemed to have accepted that right. specific change, and uh, B, they're going to be allowed to do similar types of changes in the future. So if it's, like you say, change a location or change a work hours, if they make that change once and you're fine with it, okay, that, and you don't dispute it. But if they do it again, you're going to have, you're not going to be able to dispute it as easily. Right. So even if you want to accept it, you may actually want to say something like, even though like I'm fine with this change, but I'm just making it clear that I, you know, I don't agree to, you know, further changes in this regard. Or you could take it for a spin if you want. If it's a change of location, say I'd like to try this for a couple of weeks, and if it doesn't work out, I don't want to keep doing this. Yeah, that's you right. Can do that? And we, yeah, you can. And we see that oftentimes when they change the bonus plan or the commission plan. Because the employee looks at it, or, or maybe the sales territory, employee looks at it and says, I think this is going to result in me receiving much less pay or less uh, overall compensation, but I don't know yet. So I'm going to give it a shot, 
and see how it uh, see how it works out. But because if in that case, if the employee jumps the gun and says it's a constructive dismissal, you don't really know if you're going to make less money. Right. Maybe it turns out that that new structure, that new plan, that new territory actually is better. Right. Or the same. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Get to uh, Matt. Matt, thanks for hanging in. What's going on in this uh, snowy Monday evening? How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Yourself? Good, man. What's going on with you? I was just curious. I, I uh, accepted a job about six months ago, and they initially said it was a three-month contract. On my first day, uh, they changed it to six months. Well, that six-month contract ends tomorrow. I was wondering if they had to give you any notice for termination beforehand or not. And the second part of the question was, uh, two weeks ago, I received a concussion at work, so I have a WSIB claim. Can they hold that against me? So before you sign the contract that you think it's three months and then it switches to six, but you you sign after? Yeah. Okay, so did you sign a six-month contract? Uh, They wrote out, like they scratched out the three months and put six months, and I... You know, questioned it, and then I signed it because I really wanted this job. Okay, so you signed a six-month contract, and then yeah. you started that job, what, a couple of days later? Yeah, it was on my first day of employment with the company. Okay, so you show up to work, and they say, here's this contract to sign, and you thought it was going to be three months, but it's actually six? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably enforceable, um, the, the six-month duration of it, and that would constitute, you know, that they've given you notice of termination. Um, including the the minimum standards of the Employment Standards Act, um, are they continuing? Like, are they term? Have they told you they're terminating the employment relationship? No, they the end date to the contract was is tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and they informed me that my meeting is now pushed back till Friday. Oh, okay. So you're going to be actually going further. You're going to be working further than the six month term. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, your contract likely becomes an indefinite term uh, contract, which means you're not on a contract anymore because you've gone further than six months and you're just an an indefinite term employee, not subject to a fixed term contract. And if they do let you go, they should provide you with severance pay, um, you know, in addition to that, you know, six month notice essentially that you had. Mm. And then the the WSIB issue. So is that preventing you from work? uh, I had the Two days off, and then I'm on a progressive schedule return. Okay. So and what? Four-hour shifts, and then six-hour shifts, and then back to eight. Okay. And do you think, I mean, have they treated you differently because of this? Have they discriminated against you, in your view? Uh, not really, no. Okay. No. I mean, it, it, just because of the injury doesn't force them to continue the contract at all, although you may have rights uh, under the WS, like WSIA um, and through the WSIB. Um, but now that you're, you know, a, a indefinite term employee, well, once they extend it past the six months, um, you know, if they start to discriminate you because of the concussion or because of the w, WSIB issue, um, that, that, that could be an issue under the human rights code. Okay. So, um, for Matt, uh, what, what you should do here is if they, uh, at the meeting, if they're going to terminate your employment, um, and they tell you that at the meeting, you should give us a call because it is possible uh, that you, you'd you be entitled to additional severance pay on top of the fixed-term contract. Uh, that number, Matt, by the way, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900, or help at employmenthour.com. How many contracts or how many, uh, you know, three-month whatever contracts can he sign before it's like, okay, enough of the contracts, you're now an employee? Yeah, that's a great question. There's, I wouldn't say there's a, uh, you know, a, a rule uh, right. that, uh, you know, once you get to... 
a certain number, uh, it automatically becomes uh, that you're an indefinite term employee. But I mean, the more you sign, the more likely it's going to be that you're uh, an indefinite employee. And so right right after you do one, um, once you're into your second, into your third, uh, it's going to be very unlikely that you're a, uh, you know, that you're just a contract employee and they will owe you severance pay. I mean, we've talked about it before, cases where people have had over 10 years. 10 years of contract writing. To, yeah. And, they, and then they get let go of nothing. Yeah. Every six months. And uh, that's clearly going to be a, uh, going to be, you're going to be an indefinite term employee. Otherwise, no one would sign sign up employees to indefinite term contracts and everyone would just be on a, you could <laughs> be do a contract month, for 30 years. Right. You could do every month, just sign the person to a new that's contract. Right. No one would ever have to be given severance pay or uh, or, or termination pay. But so. the the law knows better; doesn't let them get it, away it with does, it, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's an interesting situation because the fact that once they go over that six months, uh, that's an indefinite term employment relationship, assuming he's still working there. So they they're on the hook now uh, for for his uh, you know, as an indefinite term employee. Lots of time for you to call in. Phone lines are open four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Again, email help at employmenthour dot com. We'll continue with the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour right here, Global News Radio. It is 7.24 on your Monday evening, the Monday edition of the Employment Hour, back Wednesday night as well. And if you haven't caught it yet, Employment Hour in 30 happens Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on Global TV as well. Lots of your phone calls. We'll get to those here in just a minute. want to mention the severance pay calculator. If you want to find out what your severance offer should be, not what comes out on paper from the, uh, the X company, the X employer, because uh, it's almost guaranteed to be... Probably pennies on the dollar, severancepaycalculator.com. You type in uh, some key pieces of information, and uh, literally within 30 seconds, you uh, you have an answer of what your uh, severance should be, right? That's right. Yeah, it's a great tool. There we go. Mike's on. Yeah, it's a great uh, great tool to use, and uh, definitely get on there uh, if, you're, uh, if you get terminated or if you're worried about getting terminated and see what your uh, entitlements are, and then give us a call because... Uh, your entitlements can uh, can change depending on a lot of different factors. Uh, you know, contract of employment, mm-hmm. uh, medical issues. Uh, you know, me- if medical if because of medical issues you're unable to work, sure, uh, that could actually extend the notice period. Um, you know, if you're uh, if you just got back from maternity leave or something like that, uh, could also extend the notice period. If your job, uh, if the industry you're in is uh, is suffering, struggling financially, there may be, not be a lot of jobs. You could you could actually get more than the uh, than the normal uh, you know than your normal sure. age years of service position would indicate. Severancepaycalculator.com is the website. Steve, hey, uh, how are you, pal? What's going on? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit different here. I apologize, guys. Um, I'm not calling regarding by the reference to an employee. I'm actually an employer. Good. Um, I own a small hair salon, and one of the issues I'm having it for, as you know, it's a hair salon, <clears throat> is that one of our staff decided to go on sick leave, um, drug-related abuse, more or less. First, it was 10 days we gave her off, and then it was another 20, and so on and so on. Then she came back with another doctor's note saying she'll be back until, like, February 8th. Now, you know, I don't know if you know this. I mean, I don't have a production manufacturing plant, so for me to offer her a job back, I mean, it's not like 9 to 5. It's basically we are, you know, what she brings in is what we make, and the clients are not going to hang around and wait for a year. So my, my issue on this is that now we're playing with a little bit of human rights, you know, issues here, uh, unemployment or whatever you want to call it, say, what is my, I mean, we've done the best we can. We've, we've you know, altered her position. We've altered her hours to accommodate for her to come back. But now we get another, another doctor's note, which she'll be coming back until April, or sorry, until February. What, how do, what, I'm a little bit confused on what we could do as employers. Yeah, you're in a really tough spot. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Steve, um, from a human rights perspective, because right. she's, she's, so she's submitted doctor's note saying she needs accommodation, uh, because of a um, 
what drug because of drug issues or medical issues? Uh, yeah, it had to do with alcoholism, more or less. Yeah, yeah okay. So you're definitely in a tough spot in, in the sense that you should not move to terminate her employment. Uh, oh, no, we're not trying to terminate her employment. It's just the fact is that, you know, when she's coming back on, like, for example, the February 8th, uh, you know, sure, she can come back to her job, but I can't offer this, you know, I offer the hours, but there's nothing there. Uh, you know, I, I really, I base my, my business on clients. Right. And clients are not going to hang around and wait, you know, nine months to a year before their stylist comes back. Mm-hmm. So is part of her role, was it, was part of her job or part of her business to attract clients herself and, and maintain that relationship? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so that's more, that's on her basically. That's not your, you didn't provide her with a lot of the clients or is it a bit of both? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, but she came on board with a lot of clients and uh, like I said, we've lost, uh, I mean, we've done the, we've done the going through a chart and everything else. 95% of her clients are not coming back. They're somewhere else now. Okay, so obviously you have no obligation to you know maintain those clients or get those clients back for her, um, but you do have an obligation to maintain her you know the, the job and return her to the job. And uh, you know if she comes back and uh, you know her doctor says she can come back in February, uh, I would make a point of you know giving her the hours and um, giving it an honest, uh, good faith shot to see if uh, you know she can return to work and uh, you know and start you know performing again in that role. Um, you know if after a certain amount of time, it's clear she has, you know, she's not bringing in any work, um, then maybe it becomes, you know, an issue. But I assume you pay on commission. That's correct. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, you just have to, that doesn't change, right? If she doesn't have no. the, doesn't have the, uh, you know, clientele, then she's not going to be paid as much. And, uh, but you, you definitely have to make a, a good faith, honest shot at allowing her to come back and, and give her an opportunity to basically, you know, perform her job and build mm-hmm. up that client list. Yeah, like I said, I don't have a problem with her coming back, and I'd love for her to come back, but, you know, every seems like every two months we're getting another doctor's note for extension, right? Yeah, and you know what? And like I was going to say, actually, at the start of this, that's probably what, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again, right? Um, yeah. So, but the best, I mean, there's there's no point jumping the gun here. Um, yeah. You have an obligation to accommodate the medical leave of absence to the point of undue hardship, which in this case is not going to allow, is going to allow you, you know, you, you wait for her to come back. Um, you're not paying her right now, right? Right. So you're just lurking and waiting for her to come back, yeah. right? Like Steve, I, I assume you're not paying her? Steve, you're paying her yeah. or no? You're not. So, no, I mean, I, think, I guess I what's, what what's the downside of keeping her on, you know, as basically she's what, an employee that's not being paid, right? Well, the only downside is that we're promising our clients that she comes back, right? And that's, that's a negativity, uh, right? That's one thing. I mean, but we already did the logistics at the very beginning. We understood. Like, I filled out her our you know record of employment, gave her that. I heard that you know, and that has nothing to do with me. Once I've done that on temporary leave, then it's up to her to, to provide the doctor's notes to unemployment and everything else. Yeah. But but we 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 did it first. Is, you know, we kind of like I said, we try to compensate as much as we can. Offer you know uh, counseling, uh, change the dates. You know, for him not to come back on. On a Monday, can maybe come back on a Tuesday, maybe have the weekend off a little bit, so, you know, to help her. We've, again, we've done as much. I understand this comes to human rights now thing, yeah. right? So I don't want to, over, want to step over any lines here. Well, and my, my point is, it sounds like you've done everything right, and there's, I, to me, there's no reason to, to all of a sudden start, you know, just arbitrarily taking the, lot, the you know, taking the position that, Oh, or, you know, we, we can't do this anymore. I mean, just hang out. You have to, the, right. you have to, and it, it's really not, I mean, I don't know what the downs, there's no downside to doing that. Whereas, um, you know, if you, if you move ahead with, 
a termination. You're going to be in trouble in terms yeah. of severance pay and human rights. So, you know, she, she has doctor's notes um, that's saying she can't work. So she uh, has that protection. Yeah. So and I would, I would listen to those. And when she is ready to return to work, whether that's in, you know, six months or eight months or whatever it may be, uh, you, you, you accommodate her and allow her to come back to the workplace. And uh, hopefully it, uh, it, it turns out well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Andrew, good evening. Good evening. How are you, pal? What's going on? I'm doing all right. Good. You know? Yeah, we're all right. What's, uh, what's your concern? Okay. I have a concern. Um, I'm employed to this company. I did three months with the agency, and now I'm with the company. Uh, the company, they're taking union money out of my salary, but I'm not unionized, okay? But they're saying once the company starts cutting me a check, it comes on board. So my concern is, is this something that is legal or is it something that is normal? I am not getting any kind of benefits also. So if I'm taking union money out of my money, at least I should be getting something, some benefits. I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, that's a strange situation. Have they explained to you? Like, have you contacted the specific union? Like, who, where do the dues go? It goes to the union. But you're not in the union? No, I'm not unionized yet until full employment. Okay, but you will become unionized? No, I'm not. But I'm you not. will become unionized once you... Is there a time limit for you to become unionized? Is it, is it on the horizon? Once, once I'm hired on, I'll be unionized. Right, okay. okay. So you're, you're, you pay union dues now, and then once you're hired on full-time, which I assume will be soon? Yes. And, you, and then you'll be in the union? Right. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. that's per. That's there's no issues with that. That happens. That's common. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how common it is, but um, it, it's definitely not illegal. Uh, he's going to be in the union. So, and it's it sounds like it's a unionized position. He's just uh, temporary right now. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Help at employmenthour dot com through email as well. Gary, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Uh, two quick questions. One, uh, the three secretaries that work for this small company. And uh, they're, they've been there eight years. They're being laid off. Are they entitled to severance pay? And if they are, is there a level of severance pay that the company has to make before they pay it out? Good questions. The, they're definitely entitled to severance pay, or at least work notice of termination. Um, what do you mean by the level, level of severance pay? Well, I understand it. Like, if you start a company and they're doing very well for five years, and then in the last two years they're not doing well, do they, because they're not making that money, or do they get excluded from paying severance pay to their employees? Got it. That's a great question, Gary. And that's actually a common one we see a lot. Uh, companies uh, who are struggling financially, uh, especially smaller companies, try to say, oh, we're letting you go and we can't really pay severance. We can't pay much severance because we're not doing Tough. well financially. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately for the employer, uh, the financial you know success or the amount of money, uh, revenue you have doesn't actually impact severance pay. Um, so it doesn't change the amount of severance pay someone's owed. It's still based on their age, years of service, position, and the availability of similar work. Um, so the older they are, the longer they've been there, and the more senior specialized uh, their role, and the more difficult it'll be to find a new job, a uh, comparable job, the more they get. Um, so all of these women had eight years of service, Gary? And, yeah. um, okay, how old are they? 35. Okay, they're all in that same age group? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say they're probably entitled to around six to eight months worth of severance pay. Eight months would be on the high end, um, probably more, more around six. Um, and the, the company can provide that um, 
by way of working notice of terminations. They could actually tell them in six months or in eight months, your employment will terminate. Um, right. That's assuming their payroll is under 2.5 million. Um, See, the, under 2.5 million? Yeah. If it's under that. Yeah, but then they're allowed to actually pay working. They're actually allowed to pay all the severance as working notice, but it doesn't okay. impact the common law severance they're owed. So not the amount, it's just how it's given out. Yeah, that's really right. yeah. And if uh, it's over two and a half, it's got to be. Well, you have to pay statutory severance pay, oh, well, um, right. and they'd get eight weeks of statutory severance pay, eight weeks of termination pay, and then the rest of it makes up is made up of common law. Wow! But it doesn't change the common law entitlement that these these uh, women would be entitled to a six, between a six and eight months severance pay. Great. Okay. One more, one more yeah, question. For yeah. sure. The last caller there on the union thing. Yeah. If there's a union and th- like that gentleman, if you're hired as a term, which is you're doing four hours a day compared to a full timer doing eight hours, and that full timer is paying uh, union dues, and that other part timer is only putting four hours in a day, he's paying the same amount of union dues. Is that illegal? Well, is that I, I don't know what the collective agreement says and what the uh, what the contract is. Are you sure that's true? Because usually it would be pay, based on the amount you work. Well, I mean, they're, they're it's, and the amount you make, right? So if you're working more, you're gonna you're gonna pay more. No, but it's all based on the same. They all pay the same amount of union because you're part of the union, even if you're only doing as a term or a right. part timer. Okay, you're only putting in four hours a day, and you're doing the same work. Yeah, but you're only putting four hours. But you're still employed by them. But you're every month they take the same amount as a full timer, eight hours. Mm-hmm. Is that is that correct? It would be if that's yeah that that would be part of the uh, bargain, good, yeah. CBA, right? Yeah, but I'm not sure necessarily that's that's what happened in his yeah. case. So. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell uh, to call in. Ask your questions right till about 10 to 8 tonight. You have some time. Clarify misconceptions with respect to severance. We talked about this off the top uh, with Alex as we're going to get into this. You have to work at least five years to get severance. A lot of people think that. Yeah, that, that's a very uh, common misconception. And uh, under common law, as we were just discussing, you're entitled to severance pay regardless uh, of your length of service. There's no threshold you have to meet. Um, and, uh, you know, your, your severance will increase, um, with the amount of service you have, the amount you're owed, because it is based on your years of service, age and position, but, um, you don't have to have at least five years, uh, to get common law severance pay. The reason that misconception comes up is because under the employment standards act to get statutory severance, you need to have at least five years of service and a, uh, the company has to have a payroll of 2.5 million. Like we just discussed. Like right. we just discussed okay. and is another popular misconception because people say, well, I'm not entitled to severance. My company's, you know, small company doesn't have a payroll of 2.5 million. Those uh, qualifications or conditions only address or, or deal with statutory severance pay, but it doesn't limit your overall severance under the common law. Which is the one we really care about because that's generally the much bigger number. That is, right. right. So, I mean, for example, if you had a, you know, a 12-year employment relationship, uh, so you have 12 years of service and you're your company doesn't have a $2.5 million payroll, mm-hmm. under the Employment Standards Act, you'd only get eight weeks termination pay. Okay. But under the, um, sorry, if you're if it jumps up to over $2.5 million, under the ESA, you'd get 12 weeks of severance pay and mm-hmm. eight weeks of uh, termination pay. In either case, with 12 years of service, you're probably getting around 12 months total. Right. So the ESA can make up more of that if your payroll is over $2.5 million. Right. Um, but it, And the other thing to point out is statutory severance pay can't be worked off. It can't be given by way of working notice. It's got to be... 
Cashola. Has to be cash. It can be paid out over time in installments, Mm -hmm. but the employee has to agree to that. But usually we see it as a lump sum payment. 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is a number talking about misconceptions with respect to your severance. The biggest one, the elephant in the room for sure, bar none. When you get let go, you get two weeks for every year of service. That's what everybody thinks. Yeah, there's a lot of those, you know, a lot of, some, sometimes people think it's one week per year, yeah, two, weeks two weeks per, per year, year. Um, four weeks per year. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know. Lot Generalizations. Of, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I do, again, think this comes up because under the Employment Standards Act, mm-hmm. you get a week per year of termination pay up to eight weeks and a week per year of statutory severance pay, assuming the the 2.5 million thresholds met and uh, you have five years, but and that's up to 26 weeks. Okay. Um, but I think that's where those misconceptions come up. But there's no rule of thumb in terms of common law severance pay. There's no month per year or four weeks per year or anything like that. You have to look at all the factors that impact someone's ability to find new work. And the main ones that we talk about on the show that the severance pay calculator uh, addresses is age, years of service, position. And uh, those those are supposed to predict the length of time it should take you to find a comparable job. Obviously, other factors come into it as well uh, that, that may impact that sure, ability. When we talked about that earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've been let go from an, in an industry that's uh, struggling, like the print media, and you've just been let go, it's not going to be With easy. With 300 other people. With 300 other right. people, and you're all you're all you know similar skill sets, uh, similar resumes, and you're going to be looking for similar jobs in an industry that apparently is not hiring because they just let go of 300 people. Uh, right. That is going to increase the severance pay you're entitled to. The other one we see a lot is people with medical issues, or uh, you know they have certain limitations they, in terms of what they can lift or the jobs they can do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to limit their ability to find new work. So all these individual, uh, there are individual factors that can address the issue get to uh glenn hey glenn good evening how you doing good sir what's going on with you good yeah um my wife worked for um, a doctor for 12 years and he retired Mm -hmm. and she was given a a letter saying that he was going to retire and so therefore i didn't have to pay severance how long um, prior to the retirement was that letter given it was about a year so and, and did it say a specific date it did. Yeah, okay. So what they did there, what the employer did there is quite smart because they provided a termination letter um, that included working notice of termination okay. of 12 months. Um, so they basically said, in 12 months, in a year, your employment will terminate because I'm retiring. Right. Right. Uh, so, and, and I assume this doctor's payroll is less than $2.5 million? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would think so. So they don't have to provide statutory. They don't have to provide statutory severance pay. Um, they don't have to pro- provide as a lump sum. So all we're dealing with is common law, and um, we look at age, years of service, and position to find the appropriate severance package. And okay. your wife had twelve years of service, right? Correct. And how old? Thirty-eight. And what was the position again? Uh, lab technician. Okay. So given those factors, just because she is young um, and, uh, you know, 12 years of service, a specialized position, no doubt about that, she would probably get right around 12 months worth of severance pay, and that can be given by way of working notice. By working notice, and which, which that letter was. Which that letter likely was, assuming that it was clear and unequivocal that there was a termination happening in, at a specific time. So you have to provide yeah. the date. 
Um, it can't be vague. It can't be, you know, in the next next year or so, I'm going to retire. Give or take. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, it was, it was specific. Yeah, so yeah. he probably had advice on that. And the idea there, Glenn, is that she they would have given her 12 months to look for a new work. Um, okay. Now, a lot of people, obviously, it seems it's unfair. It seems unfair because they're eight hours a day. They can't go look for work. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah. Um, working their notice. The other issue is that a lot of people do get lump sums mm-hmm. um, and don't have to work for it. So when it happens in this situation where uh, she did have to work that off, um, you know, it's a tough one to uh, to deal with. Did she end up getting a job? Uh, she has now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How How long did it take her? Um, well, there was other things. We had a, a three-year-old too, so mm-hmm. it was tough finding work that uh, could accommodate that. Right. Accommodate that, yeah. right? So yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, that uh, that likely is a, a fair severance package. The interesting one there that uh, working notice. Whenever I talk to people, we get working notice. It's, it's a long always, working notice. It's yeah, it is. And it's long. tough. The only benefit to working notice is that it's oftentimes a lot easier to find a job if you have a job. Right. So that's the one benefit. Um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people would rather just get the severance package, like a lump sum to move on next week to hopefully a new gig. Yeah, right? um, yeah. but the one silver lining to the uh, working notices is uh, you you do have a bit more leverage, especially if the your the you know prospective employers don't know that you've been right. let go. If you can actually just send out resumes uh, and look for new work. Hey, Mike. Good evening. Yes. Hi. How are you? Good, sir. What's happening with you tonight? Okay. Well, I've got. I don't even really know how to put this out there, but I'm going to just throw it out. Um, in listening to your shows, I've heard uh, deadlines on, you know, when things happen, you must meet the deadline by this date or, you know, basically. Yeah, Friday at 5 or whatever, right? Well, basically on the, the two-year, if you don't react after a mm-hmm. termination or things like that, you might be disqualified from any earnings that might come your way is more what I'm getting at. Okay. Okay, so I'm speaking to you on behalf of my mother-in-law. Now, the situation is her husband, my father-in-law, worked for a company, a cannery style of company, for 20-ish years. I'm talking perfect attendance, the whole nine yards, for like 20 years. Now, what happened was he went on LTD because of a back injury, I believe, caused at work. Now, in that back injury, while on LTD, they also realized that he had terminal cancer. Then what happened was apparently this cannery company was not doing so well and decided to move to the States. So in stating this, I don't believe, like, so what happened is, he passed away. I don't know if he was on LTD at that point or if it was terminated, which I think might have happened. Is like They went to the States and he was basically terminated at some point or whatever might have happened. I'm not too sure. And this is going from my mother-in-law, and these are 65-year-old old-school style of people yep. Yep. and uh, thinking. And I don't believe he even got his life insurance plan. Now, maybe he did, but I mean, my wife, the daughter, is it's the most ridiculous close family you've ever seen. I have the mother-in-law like you could never imagine. So what are you wondering, Mike? So there was no, there was no 
large sum of money that came to him Mm -hmm. in his life insurance. And I believe she barely even collects any money monthly off of him. So my question is, number one, it was, say, two and a half years. Even let's say three just to round it off years ago. Would he still have been able to qualify if the company moved down to the states for his life insurance plan if he was on LTD or not or should he should more of a pension be paid out or should right. he some like I mean this lady has struggled when he went off while he was off and after he's passed away right yeah okay. it sounds like a tough tough spot to be in if he passed away um, well on LTD I mean he's not going to get severance pay or anything like that if there's a pension that's owing um you know then then obviously an accrued pension then he'd get that then there should, should be a, a percentage that goes to the survivor 60 yeah. percent or whatever generally yeah right? exactly and the life insurance yeah. policy obviously i can't speak to uh that's not not uh, our our area not here. your bag no um so i think it may be you know you may want to look into that a bit but um you know i have had situations where the person's let go and then they they pass away, you know, during the notice period. Right. And um, in that case, they are likely uh, they're entitled to severance pay usually until the, at least up to the point of that they pass away or their minimum standards in the ESA. That'll do it for tonight, my friend. Back here Wednesday night as well in the Employment Hour. In the meantime, severancepaycalculator.com, help at employmenthour.com through email. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to uh, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for Employment Hour and 30 on Global TV. This has been the Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio.